and we'll see where at time wise we could we could do buckshots or we could not do do people like buckshots will absolutely okay will's pro buckshot doing a quick check-in on you know issues that people might still be reading or have fallen off on that need a you know a kick in the pants to get back on it i think it's i think it's good and that was why i was excited to potentially do it because i had you know like a couple of comics that i know you guys aren't necessarily going to talk about it all that black widow book is like what was that bruce uh uh, jango bruce Bruce is my Bruce? boss's name, so I guess I think Django is <laughs> Django, my boss. you just like, have that effect Batman? on people. Bruce <laughs> <laughs> uh, Campbell? Did you practice your buckshot? Uh, I have it. Uh, I typed it all out, and I said it out loud while I was typing it out. Holy so I don't have did you really exact. type it out? I typed it out. You're a oh, mad wow. shit. <laughs> You're I'm, better at our show than we are. Yeah. Well, I mean, you should see the, the pages of notes that I type going in. You have seen it. The pages of notes I type up going into uh, the, the last bros. That... Hey everybody! Welcome to perfectly ex- the the perfectly acceptable podcast, episode two hundred and forty six, the Pacific Northwest's premier pop culture hub. If you want to be a part of pop culture, you gotta jack your USB C right into this here hub. I thought it was pop culture. Culture, couture, culture, pop couture. Um, where every week we talk about a whole bunch of comic books that came out that week, either a lot of them or just a pretty large handful of them. There were a lot this week, but then Roman had an idea. That's right. I'm Jeff. Oh, I'm Roman. I'm Django. Roman had a great idea, and it's to do an entirely horrifying, spooky week, which we're going to get to. We're going to get into that in just a minute because we've got a very special surprise for everyone in the world that's right you listeners in dubai and the one the one in seoul that's always listening every week and the those 13 bears in florida the british ocean indie the british indian ocean territory which is the area code for this week's issue number absolutely and that very special surprise is that instead of having an email from william elmer we have William Elmer himself here. Will, hello. Hi, hello. I'm Will Elmer. And happy episode oh, 246. Hey, did somebody say crossover? Oh, we will be doing a crossover. We haven't talked about our books yet. Holy shit, this is a crossover podcast, though. Get ready for it, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I thought I would come on and uh, deliver my, my email in person this week and then possibly talk a little bit about crossover. Yeah, you will. Yeah, um, you will. So... <laughs> Welcome to our spooky podcast. It's so frightening. Oh, Jeff, you write Archie covers. It's Thanks, so spooky bud. that people won't hear it until after Halloween has long passed and everyone's over the holiday. They're right. all just dealing with their hangover. <laughs> Goose them yeah. with a little spookum. Goose them with the spookum. Well, hey guys, uh, since we're here to talk about crossover number nine this week, among many other things, I'm I'm here with you guys for a quick crossover cameo to talk about. Uh, Talk to you all about Perfectly Acceptable Podcast Sister Podcast, 
Hey, have you guys heard a show called uh, Ted Lasso? Do you guys because... hear this guy's voice? Yeah. Have you heard yeah. this guy's voice? Because if you are, if you haven't ever heard it, you can listen to it weekly on a on a podcast that we've been doing called the Ted Lass Bros, where where myself and Will just sort of bounce off of each other. It's a lot more. It's a lot less poop and pee humor. My mom has mentioned to me now. <laughs> Except when Wait, your mom sends in voicemails. Yep, she sent an email in. Yeah, your or mom she... listens to this podcast. Yeah, she did. Oh, she started fuck. listening. She's Jeez. like, it does. I'm sorry, Kipper. Yeah, she so does. Am I. She, I'm really embarrassed now. She's like, it does remind me of when I used to take your friends to the Spokane <laughs> for your birthday parties. And you guys would just be sort of like yelling about poop and pee jokes the whole time. I'm like, yeah, I know. Oh, that's the secret origin of Jeff. He's always surrounded himself with poop and pee people. That's <laughs> true. Poop and pee people. That's an Archie cover right there. Will, sorry, crossover. Yes. So, 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 if you guys want a little bit of poop and pee humor, if you want to hear a toilet flush on a podcast for the first time in your life, uh, Jeff and I just posted our season two recap episode where you can hear said toilet flush somewhere in the episode. And next week we are officially relaunching our full rewatch from the beginning. So if you've been waiting to watch Ted Lasso, um, you've been wanting to rewatch it because you're feeling, you know, down and out about season two being over and having to wait a whole year till season three, we're going to start season one all over next week. So it's a perfect time to get on board. Or and if you did already watch it, uh, start rewatching it with us because we mine these gems. Will, it's like we're it's like we're little elves in a mountain uh, digging for ore and finding gems. Is that who goes into mountains? Is it elves that mine diamonds? I was thinking gnomes, actually, is what I was visually thinking. Like blue shirt, red hat, but it's just um, because two of the people on this podcast. Dwarves, thank <laughs> you. Dwarves, you, can, you, can, you can count on my axe, Jeffrey. Yo. <laughs> so that leads me to my question of the week this week, which is we actually received during our recap episode. And if you listen, it might seem like we ignored the question, but I was actually holding it for this podcast. We had a question from our friend, Sean Marshall. And as you guys probably know, Ted Lasso is uh, ostensibly a fish out of water comedy about soccer, but really it's much more than that. It's about positivity, optimism, maturity, relationships, and mental health. So our friend Sean Marshall wrote in and asked if there's any comic book recommendations that have a similar vibe to the show Ted Lasso. What do you Ooh, that's a good Django. question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say the uh, closest thing I could think of is probably um, Keith Giffen's Justice League. Oh, good pick. Yeah. Just in the in the in the sense of humor and the heart, it's a pretty uh, obtuse uh comparison there but they they both hit me in in a similar way um i don't think i could even say fans of one would be fans of the other necessarily but uh, i i put them in the same category of my heart i've got two. Oh, let's hear I've got it two by the same writer oh jimmy t your favorite yep jimmy <laughs> t right into my iv um no i would say um the clue i mean I, the ones that jump to mind are both robert kirkman invincible and firepower which is the kind of blend of comedy and heart. I would say Invincible is maybe a little bit closer than Firepower, but Firepower is the one currently coming out. But in terms of like just the occasional positive family, good feeling vibe, uh, mm -hmm. those those really put those out there. You could almost put the Flintstones, the Mark Russell Flintstones mm -hmm. in there too for me. Okay, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Roman, what do you think? I really like the uh, Keith Giffen Justice League, especially the friendship between booster and and blue beetle mm -hmm. um for me though i'm thinking unbeatable squirrel girl 
Ooh. It's on my list. Because yeah, it's exactly it's, on my list. Yeah. All about kindness and you know, overcoming obstacles in not the typical superhero fashions. And that's a good poll, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. That's- I had um, I had unbeatable squirrel girl on my list for exactly that, for just having conversations to solve problems rather than you know resorting to violence or 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 tropes or things like that. I had a couple other I'll throw at you guys that uh, I was able to marinate on this question a little bit longer um, for different reasons. Um, Tom King's Mr. Miracle, just from the relationship uh, conversations that take mm-hmm. place in that mm-hmm. book. There's also some mental health issues that they talk about in that book. And so those both kind of are reminiscent of some themes that take place in Ted Lasso. Um, I have Day Tripper just mm. from some some dealing with some different parental issues and <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Um, I had um, All-Star Superman from just the kind of the feel-good nature of, mm. of just reading that book and, and feeling good about the world. And then I had uh, Dragon Hoops by Gene Lewin Yang. Oh which I think is a really good book. It is, it's about sports, it's about basketball, um, but it takes it from the approach of somebody who doesn't know anything about sports and just writes a lot about just the sport itself and then what people and human beings kind of get out of it. So they, you know, he follows several people and he's coming at it from the angle where you, know, you don't need to know anything about sports to enjoy the book and it's a feel-good book and you end up finding yourself kind of liking liking the sport of basketball a bit, but then liking Gene Lu and Yang and all of these players that you followed. Um, I would say Superman smashes the clan also is kind of in there and yes. the spirit of mm-hmm. uh, Gene Lu and Yang stuff. Sean Marshall. Great question. Will, thanks for bringing it forward. I'm going to get the rundown of these books for everybody. And then we're going to get right the heck into it. Uh, we're going to be talking this week about crossover number nine, nine, number nine. Oh, number, nine. number nine. Oh, God. Right. I was say, is Everyone that I love. Schlee, is that Schlee Schlees? Everyone I love. Uh, we're going to talk about Batman the Long Halloween special. What is this? 20 years ago? No, it's a new <laughs> issue of the Long Halloween. <laughs> we're going to talk about Ice Cream Man number 26, DC versus Vampires number one, Task Force Z number one, Human Remains number two, and Inferno number two. But let's get Let's really like kind of before we get very scared and very all Hollams weaned out, um, let's talk a little bit of crossover in the spirit of having Will here in support of our new podcast feed, Ted Laspro's Roman just turned off the light at his house and it's actually terrifying. He's spooky. <laughs> he God is... damn it, Roman. Oh, no. Roman, stop with your dead eyes. Those dead <laughs> eyes. <laughs> God help me, he had I yellow need to change eyes. My pants right now. Yeah. Um, all right, oh, crossover. Crossover number nine by, by uh, Donnie Cates. Donald Cates. Geoff Shaw, D. Kniff, and John J. Hill. Um, I had a lot of fun reading this book. This was the Bendis episode of this comic, <laughs> and uh, has has the kid who we've been following um, interrogated by the powers, the, the power duo. Uh, from Powers, and there's a lot of a lot of really nice, uh, if you'll pardon the expression, meta commentary in here. Oh, and, you're not allowed uh, to use that word anymore, Django. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of self-referential commentary. There you go. <laughs> uh, I thought I thought it was really good. It was it was like I don't know. It was like the comic book version of somebody doing a cover song and <laughs> and nailing it. Um, yeah. What did, What did you think, Will? I really I really liked it a lot. I'm I'm a I'm a Donny Cates apologist. 
Um, <laughs> but every stretch of the imagination, I just completely dig everything he does because it's just it's fun for the sake of being fun. And mm-hmm. what I really one of the things I really like about comic books. So um, I just love this entire series so far. But this this one had a lot of the quippy back and forth. And would you believe it or not? I've actually never read any uh, Bendis. Uh, it's it's I'm working on it. I have Daredevil sitting on my shelf. What? I have somehow forgotten to loan him Volume One of Powers. He's never read for, any for been, years. I've never, wow. Never. Yeah. Just haven't gotten to it yet. If I'm if I'm being real, I think I read like one issue of Superman, and it, I didn't it didn't do anything for me when he just started doing Superman. But I do remember talking to you briefly about his new Avengers run at some point. You were like, should I get this? I think. Yeah, I've gone. I, I do. I did pick up his Daredevil omnibus, so I'm I'm I'm. Getting ready to work on that soon. I just trying to build up for it, but I've never read any Bendis, so his style isn't that familiar to me. I know that he's very wordy, is what a lot of people tell me. Um, but I enjoyed this a lot. If this is like an homage to him with the quippy back and forth, in a lot of words, I I had a lot of fun with this. I thought it was mm-hmm. great. I think this issue did a great job with throwing uh, references and things that I probably wasn't familiar and giving enough exposition where I didn't feel lost, but not too much exposition where I felt like it was beating me over the head with it and felt like it was, you know, talking down to me or anything like that. So the big spoiler in this issue is like at the end, they've found what seems to be a batarang. Batarang going to be in this book. And Scott Snyder is, is a victim of some foul play in this issue too. So like, are we going to get Batman in an image comic? It's been a long ass time since we had a Batman. And, Do you and feel like they changed the battering just enough to not be Batman, but tell you looks, it's Batman without it being Batman? Sure. Looks kind of like that to me. And the issue that had all the other image characters, like it, like the big double shot, you uh-huh. know, the big in like six or whatever, that was like, hey, these are obviously these Ninja Turtles, but we're not going to say they're Ninja Turtles. Like mm-hmm. it could just be like we found this battering and then not actually show Batman. Yeah, it's it's absolutely possible. Um, I think it's been impressive to be nine issues into this series and me still continue to believe that a Marvel or a DC character could show up in this book. <laughs> yeah, they keep pulling the rug out from underneath you, where they tease you with you thinking that somebody's going to show up from you know like Doctor Strange is going to show up, and then it's the you know Walmart version of Doctor Strange that shows up instead <laughs> from Paybacks. Um, but I just, I just keep coming back. Buzzkill. I'm I'm a hundred percent convinced that Batman is going to show up in the next issue, and it is it's it's going to be Batman Well or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that Donnie is just having fun, like he just kind of seems to always do. Um, and it's not that sort of I don't know. Like when Scott Snyder has fun, there's a different tone to it. I'm just glad that Donnie Cates runs out of cocaine occasionally and writes comic books in that period. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff, you've you've said before many times that you think that Donny Cates is kind of the Marvel Scott Snyder to a degree. So do you think that Donny Cates has killed off Scott Snyder in this so that he can take his top up, you know, his place? Have I said that? Throne? Do I feel like that? You've compared it when reading like the the dark. They're both uh, like dark, cocaine metal. Fuel. Yeah. Cocaine fueled. I would say I really all of that. I like Donny Cates quite a bit more than Scott Snyder. Um, I would love if he in the story killed off Scott Snyder. That would be very good. Roman Which has changed the lighting. Did. Scott Snyder is dead. In this oh, book is that actually Scott Snyder? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, They're getting it's pretty meta. awesome. And if, if I didn't, if you couldn't kind of feel Donny Cates smiling while he does this, it would almost seem like, like a East, East coast, West coast rap 
rivalry Ooh. but this just feels like like he's having a good time well it doesn't feel like it's at scott snyder's expense if that makes sense yeah I, well he's killed off a bunch of other writers in this so far and then there yeah. was issue number i think it was seven six that was seven, guest yeah. written by chip zadarsky it was six seven. or seven um and i mean that really built on this idea right the first five or six issues didn't really deal with the theme of writer I've being only killed read out. the just, first pair paperback so i haven't read these writers mm. dying issues it's sprinkled in little bits of it but not that much like we heard brian k vaughn was killed i think somewhere in the first or second yeah. issue but it's just like on the news in the background it's it's an afterthought it's just a little seed that's planted and then in the chip zadarsky issue you know chip zadarsky wrote that and there's two chips zadarsky's in the book and then somebody is hunting them down and then kills at least one of the chips zadarsky's that's it's in there it's kind of like what you guys were talking about on the ted lasso the the last bros podcast oh, I heard of where that. like in the first book they sprinkle in these ideas they could have totally wrapped crossover up at the end of the first book if That's if true. they hadn't had the the sales or whatever to keep going but then they left enough interesting things from the first book to bring some of that stuff around as as major plot points or character bits so what are you precious gems of human you gnome mind gems of human beings give this book score wise i'm gonna give you it elf a, you elfin gems you i'm gonna give it a mustache and a half that's an eight and a half. Oh, i forgot on this very scary episodes we do a different rating currency a yeah. stash and a half stash and a half. i was thinking the ted lasbro podcast oh right that makes episode. sense mustache oh, scale i'm quick i'm there is, with a, you. is a mustache eight and then would, half a mustache how did this i was trying to is it like conversion yeah right like five and a half Mine was an eight this was an eight a stash and a half and a half. Eight. Eight eight and and half. Eight. i'll give it a regular old mustache Okay. Is that eight? Uh, yeah. well, I'm 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 excited to see Will try and he's like this math doesn't work out, you guys. I don't I don't know what I'm gonna do. Um, I'm gonna give this a full mustache ride. Which Ew, is, God, I forgot to me about is a that. Ten. Uh, I just I absolutely love it. It was one of the, my favorite books that I read this week because it's just I don't know. Like I love you know Tom King and a lot of you know other books like that that are just you know get into my head and crawl around. And this one I don't have to do that. And it was just a hell of a lot of fun. And there's a lot of Batman stuff happening here. And I just, I loved it. There is room for the combination of gooey ducks and mustache rides in nope. that. But I think nope. we're going to, we're going to skate by it because mom listens to this after all. The gooey um, duck stash ride. The gooey duck stash ride. Okay. Okay. Well, listen, oh, before, sorry, Jeff's mom. <laughs> before, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she wants, she's got to, she's got to talk to you. She said, <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you make my boy do this. Dick Fight Island? Um, okay, Will, before we get out of here, I want to bestow, I want to pass the baton of the honorary book shot on to you. So I, I'm going to actually do you the courtesy of letting me tell, let you tell me when you're ready for it to start. Um, but when bullshit. that happens, yeah, well, Django, you know what? You're a garbage man, okay? Uh, you got smelly buns. Because I embarrassed right. your mom with my fart jokes. You don't have to take it oh, out. Oh, my mom's not embarrassed. <laughs> hot, hot cross smelly buds. Can, can I just say, though, that I, I feel like I was 100% responsible for Dick Fight Island more than anybody else because I I, I promised a monetary gain for you <laughs> doing true. that you podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, does not that book live on your house, on your it, bookshelf? It sits right next to my bed. And I, <laughs> yeah, you gotta make sure. And my daughters, and... my daughters are not allowed in the bedroom anymore. <laughs> no, several layers behind other books and comics. Okay. They can't. They can't see it. <laughs> they would. What is that I giant? Hope, dear God, sheet. I hope not. <laughs> um, all right, Will. Listen, ninety seconds on the clock, starting now. Go. 
All right. First, I want to talk to you guys about Mom, Mother of Madness by Amelia Clark of Game of Thrones fame, uh, which was written by Amelia Clark, Marguerite Bennett, and art by Layla Lays. Um, there's three oversized issues of this. This has probably been one of my favorite celebrity rights of comic book type book. It's about a woman whose various superpowers and uh, strengthen and dissipate based on her cycle. The further away from her period, the weaker her powers are. And when she's full on on her period, her powers are at maximum strength. Um, her powers are also based off of her emotions. When she's mad, she gets super strength, anxious. She turns invisible. When she's sad, she heals, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this book is like overtly anti-patriarchal and it can be a bit wordy like Bendis or so I've heard. Um, it's kind of preachy, a bit Mark Russell-y. can be hard to follow at times, but it's a lot of fun. Amelia Clark has a really great genuine write-up at the end of the first comic um, about why she wanted to write a comic. And I really enjoyed the series a lot. I'd probably give it somewhere between 8.5 and a 9. I know it comes out in trade or hardcover soon. It's great. I think you guys should check it out. Um, I want to talk about Black Widow, number 12 by Kelly Thompson, uh, art by Elena Casagrande, inks by Elisabetta D'Amico, and colors by Jordi Belair. Um, I want to say all those names because the book has been consistently gorgeous and it's a super fun read. I feel like it's flying under the radar for how good it is. I think everybody should check out at least the first trade of the series. I don't think it's what anybody expects. It's pretty tragic and uh, tugs at the heartstrings a lot. There's no way that was 90 seconds. <laughs> I told you to practice. There's no way. <laughs> it, uh, it, it comes up on you. It comes up. However, you did you did the courtesy of reading all of the, cre the credits, which is something that we abandoned not far into it, realizing that it yeah. eats a yeah. fair amount of time. Give me a score for Black Widow and then toss one of your other books in there. I'm going to say 8.5 for issue number 12. I want to give the series a nine so far. Okay. I just I'll, I'll I'll show you one of the books real fast is a book called The Citizen number two. I think I'm the only person who has purchased this from the comics place number one and number two. Uh, just a cute, fun book. It's about this guy named Norman and everybody in the city that he lives in is a superhero or a supervillain. He's the only normal person in the city. So the book is just him trying to go about his day with everybody kind of, you know, coming in and out of closets and trying to pretend they're not actually a superhero. And he's just rolling <laughs> his eyes at them and everyone's trying to befriend him and follow him around everywhere he goes because everyone wants to be able to save Norman. Um, it's just a lot of fun book for such a small independent book that I picked up on a whim. Uh, I really recommend it. I don't know if anybody can even get a copy of it at all because it's action labs and they probably yeah, did like three of them, but they only make zombie tramp and that. <laughs> um, it's a lot, of, it's yeah, a lot of fun and i saw that mcfarland on the cover and thought it was oh nope not that mcfarland it's a it's a, a charlie mcfarland we're letting other mcfarlands in the comic industry yeah it's crazy uh, what's and your score uh, on citizen um i will give it like an 8.25 oh my god uh, coming in here waving a 0.25 around 0.25 gosh uh, that's i a thought it was a little ride. bit better than good and impressive for just a random book i picked up on the shelf that i i really wanted to talk about i found the fact that i wanted to talk about it made it made it good enough to be just a little above an eight. Oh, sounds um, adorable i'll just also throw at you guys real fast Lock and Key Season 2 on Netflix is great. My whole family is really into it. It does a great job staying faithful to the book while still doing its own thing. And an update from an earlier email, Why the Last Man has been good, not great, but it's already been canceled by FX, so don't waste your time. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Will, you're amazing as always. If you are getting this dosage of Will in your life and you're like, God, that voice is sultry and I love it and there's thoughtful insight behind yeah. everything he says, weekly, Ted Lasbros. Look for the feed um, pretty soon now. 
And uh, what's that? Send us an email. Send us an email, tedlastbros at gmail.com. Will, you're a scholar, a saint. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. It's an honor and a privilege to uh, spend Devil's Night with you guys. Ooh. All Hollem's Weave Eve. <laughs> you guys have a great night. You I too, can't buddy. wait to listen to the rest of the podcast. <laughs> See you, Will. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Will. I want to read all those comics now. Um, I have to mention, I adore that man. He's a great guy. Um, okay. Let's keep moving along here since, you know, I'm going to try and go people watch its people tonight. Um, yeah. All is right. There stu- is there stuff going on tonight? Probably not. I think the world's <laughs> kind of dead, frankly, but I got a Halloween fan in the home and, you know, she gets a kick out of looking at people. Oh, <laughs> Django, you seem like you're marinating on something. Well, I was just I was just thinking about um, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, yeah, Is yeah. Name- yeah. You think he's a big fan of Scott Snyder? I think so. I think they're close. Because it seems like naming his company Meta yeah. is probably a reference to metal. Yeah. Yeah, the metaverse. The metal. That's great. Um, Batman, the long Halloween special by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Uh, sort of afterthought issue. So I'm going to get into this. Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, their Batman rung long Halloween, dark victory. Amazing. They did a Catwoman thing after it that is awesome. And what I didn't realize is that the Haunted Night Absolute Edition I have has the Catwoman series in it that they did. Oh, and I didn't know it existed. I haven't read that version of that book that I have. And I'm really excited because I I didn't realize I was kind of in this long Halloween universe. Anyway, that's an aside. What is this, you guys? This is uh, kind of a follow up to definitely the long Halloween. And I'm assuming Dark Victory as well. I haven't actually read Dark Victory, um, but I thought it was an interesting way to approach the story because it it follows calendar man's jealousy at and and spoilers for long halloween if you haven't read long halloween just stop listening to us right now and go go read it and come back um but he's mad that he didn't get the the credit for killing people during the long halloween um and and that his shtick was kind of taken by the the real holiday killer um and i thought that was a pretty cool motivation for him I thought so too. Yeah. And there's also some pretty cute stuff between Robin and Batgirl in here. Um, and I'm sure Jeff, that we talked about this when we did our, uh, as of yet unreleased long Halloween podcast with Ryan Russell, coffee and cows. Um, I'm sure we talked about how Barbara is not Jim's daughter. Yeah. And I think in here. Yeah. Yeah. And it made me kind of interested in Roman's insight onto kind of the original nature of what her character's origin was. Cause like, what is she in this, his niece that he's mm-hmm. raising mm-hmm. with, and he's, he's still with the mother of James Gordon Jim's, jr. Jim's Jim's Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Like the, the interesting, I thought for them to put that little bit in here about just like hidden continuity stuff. It, where, what was Barbara Gordon originally Roman? Man, that's a good question, because I think originally maybe she was his niece. I don't know when she became his daughter, um, maybe with Zero Hour or one of the For many sure, yeah, like a things. Thing. Yeah, um, but that I didn't even notice that because it just felt so right to me. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, his and for some reason, his first wife, her name is Barbara mm-hmm. yep. Gordon when she's married him. Um, so I don't know why the I guess his her sister. I don't know. Her sister named her kid after mm. Aunt Barbara, and then James adopted her. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I love that they have uh, little little James dressed in a little devil costume. That's called foreshadowing. Mm. Oh, yeah, I didn't pick that up, Django. Nice work. I, I really like mm. this because 
well, for a lot of reasons, it's just well written. Um, but I would say that Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, in my mind, kind of hit their creative peaks or in that kind of long Halloween, dark victory mm-hmm. era of okay. comic books. And Jeff Loeb, yeah, again, the Marvel color books, yeah. Um, and Jeff Loeb has written a fair number of things since then that I don't care for very much. And mm-hmm. Tim Sale, whose art is always unique, um, has kind of developed a lot of shortcuts and has been doing a lot of covers. And, it, you know, kind of I'm always like, ah, this is not the Tim Sale I love. So what I loved is how much this felt like a return to that era that they had put those books out. Absolutely. Um, the Tim Sale art really looks like it came out right in that time, which blows my mind. Um, there is a little janky faces, a little, you know, here and there. Uh, this feels like, you know, a byproduct of also maybe the coloring, actually. I, I'd have to look it's, into. This is Brennan Wagner is the colorist. Is He's, he the, uh, Matt Wagner's son. Did he do, do we know who did the original colors? It wasn't him. Okay. Uh, I don't remember who did the original ones, but he's only been on the scene for a few years. Okay. Well, yeah, they just, they did a great job of making it feel like you know what it what it was and it says the end for now dot 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 and i really hope these two do some more batman stuff especially in this universe because i love it dark victory is also great that's kind of the story of him getting dick grayson so yeah your point Django. this is definitely a follow-up to that as well Mm -hmm. because dick grayson's in this um but just really great stuff i was really impressed with his ability to do that i i do you know, I love that it says the end for now because I was while I was reading this, I was like the the promise of this, you know, being a part of that series mm-hmm. is so exciting to me that as I was reading, I was like, okay, I hope I hope more happens. But this is kind of like a bigger deal because, like, it, I think the the conceit of it was really awesome. But I was like, but I it's really tied into like maybe one of my favorite Batman stories of all time. So I would like it to be a ten, and I don't know that I could give it a ten, but well, and if I remember right, this like. We are the only ones who knew who the holiday killer was at the end of Long Halloween, right? Right. The yeah, reader. Yeah. And at the end of it, um, it's Gordon knows also at the end of this. Gordon has figured mm. it out, um, which is an interesting thing for, for them to, you know, that's that's a good cliffhanger. I would yeah. give this uh, nine, um, mostly docking it for little quibbles with the art. Um, you can never go home, but I want to go home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. I can't decide. I'd give it a, like between a 7.5 and an 8. Did you have any qualms with it, Roman? 7.5 and an 8 is like there was maybe some things you didn't love. I think it's pronounced quams. Oh, sorry, quims. Some <laughs> uh, clams. Um, yeah, yeah, I had little things I didn't like. And, and, and you know, I, I'm in the minority, I know. But, you know, Long Halloween I thought was good. But it's not even in my, like, favorite Batman stories. It's, it's no year one. Even though, even though I I think it's set pretty much during right year two or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a few little things I didn't. Well, I just thought were distracting. Like it's awesome. Barbara Gordon's there and in a Batgirl costume before she was ever Batgirl. But yeah, that was artistically. I was like, okay, so apparently it's implied she's younger than Robin here, but she's got the body of an adult woman, but she's like this the height of a 10 year old. That's weird. And where'd she oh. buy that bat girl cost that? Yeah, I, I assume she must've had it made, but <laughs> that distracted me too. That was like a Frank Miller sort of like, I'm just doing my own universe type yeah. thing. Fuck yeah. y'all. But more than that, it, it like bugged me that when two face and his wife are together again in their old house and he's so paranoid, the doorbell rings and he's like, who's there? Who do you tell? Who did you tell we were here? And she's like, Oh, it's just trick or treaters. And then she goes to the door, opens it and gets captured. And it's like, well, you just established he's really paranoid and on edge. How come he just let all that happen? <laughs> mm. 
You need to be a comic book editor, Roman. You need to be a comic I, I, book editor, Roman. I, I would love to be a comic book editor, except they don't really have power anymore. Not like they did in the seventies, sixties. It's true. Welcome to the universe. I will give it a yeah. nine because I love it. Long Halloween is a top three Batman comic for me. So I, uh, I love good. the cover of the first like three pages. God, those are gorgeous. Yeah. The first three pages, that first double page sort of like, it's very Darwin cookie. Um, yeah. Well, another book I'd give a pretty high score to this week is ice cream man. Number 26. We got blessed with this J.H. Williams, the third echo lands thing where they're doing horizontal comic books in a landscape <laughs> version. And ice cream man chose to go back to the classic nineties. Hey, just flip your book 90 degrees. But I thought they did it in an incredibly charming way. I, I loved the sort of meta, like, you know, please turn your comic 90 degrees clockwise. And then <laughs> the issue was fantastic. I finished it. I was around Sam. I was like, Sam, you should read this. I think you're going to like it. Uh, I'm just looking at the detail on the top of the tree now and all the leaves. God, it's crazy. Um, Martin Morazzo, I probably would say doesn't get enough credit. 26 issues into this series. He's an amazing artist. Um, but this issue is literally entirely somebody climbing down a tree that you're reading sideways on a comic book and it is him climbing on the metaphorical family tree of his lineage trying to trace down his own dysfunction and where it came from and he ends up having a conversation with his daughter in the roots of the tree uh, which i thought was a really interesting awesome idea and ended on a what i thought was a really empowering and positive note which is surprising for ice cream man and uh i really loved it this is in the top third of ice cream man's for me i thought it was pretty good too i was super confused at the end when he meets his dad and and his his ancestors i think that his dad's face got redrawn or something because it looks pasted on in a lot of panels and his neck is colored different i thought that there was something that it meant um i didn't notice i didn't yeah, notice that either i noticed it i noticed it a couple pages from the end and it it really took me out of the whole thing Weird. um but I thought I thought on the whole, just following this family for through the lens of their addictions was an interesting exercise. I thought it was so empowering that they were like, well, it's also something I think about often is like mm -hmm. my inherited problems from my parents. And, and at my worst, I get worried that I'm trapped in a cycle that I can't get myself out of. And this is all and this is empowering idea of like mm -hmm. to breaking the cycle. And I really liked that idea of like. Uh, when's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago when's the second best time today yeah. um and so this breaking the cycle thing and then i also love like the pictures in the background the chairs they all have that diamond motif which mm -hmm. is like from this that really the kind of one main issue we got about the origin of the ice cream man that diamond motif is everywhere it's got pictures in the roots of the trees of the ice cream man and the cowboy the bartender is the cowboy uh, it just tied into some of the overarching mythos stuff of this that I've really, really liked. So I, I really, really dug that part of it as well. Yeah. Somebody was singing the Buddy yeah, the, Holly yeah, song. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was the, as, as you go through the story, you get little tiny bits of creepy ice cream man stuff far and far, far in the background. Yeah. Like this is a lot less in your face than it usually is. What did you think, Roman? Yeah. I, li I liked it a lot. I was just thinking because of what Django just said that. I, yeah, I'm surprised that the, there wasn't a damn spider in the tree, but there wasn't. There was. There was. I didn't yeah. see it. No um, way. Like, yeah, like the first animal you see is a spider that's got a bird caught in its nest. Mm -hmm. Good Lord, I guess I blocked it out. <laughs> uh, For those of you who don't know, I hate spiders. That's not how you sell a fucking comic book, I say. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, where'd it go? There is a spider, right? Oh, yeah, see, no spider. It's, it's literally <laughs> oh, yeah, right. on page two. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
the sound of Jeff and Django showing Roman a comic book panel. Um, It's a podcast about comics. (laughs) I'm going to go 9.5. I think that this is an issue. A lot of Ice Cream Man issues are great. And I think this one is one you can hand to somebody who's never read the series before. And I think you can get something out of this 22 page artistic analysis of our own kind of problems and inherited problems and and then to end it on a positive kind of like call to action i thought was really really awesome so sam then read it and dug it too and i i i liked this one for not being quite as nihilistic as some of the other ones i'll give it a nine i mean it was a great issue and one of the things i thought was great about it that was kind of subversive it's it i assume it's on schedule it came out you know during the halloween month so you would expect it to be a horror filled issue and it's not and that was pretty clever. I forgot we're doing our spooky session here, our our horrific, terrifying issues. <laughs> and this is just a generally spooky series that actually had not that yeah. horrifying of an issue. But all the all the red and black covers. Um, gosh, this was not my favorite. Um, and I have a different read on on the ending than you do, Jeff. Nice. Um, I think I would give this book a seven and a half, maybe even a seven. Ooh. Um it's still solid. It's it's an ice cream man issue, but not not one of my favorite ice cream man issues by a long shot. I think it's interesting to think of them toasting alcohol to breaking the cycle of addiction. Right. I didn't get I didn't see that as a positive. I, I see the positive intent by the characters, but I think that it was more subversive and dark than that. Oh, I I, I I also think so. I also think that. But I think that um it's that sort of like one last drag of the cigarette. I and mean, I've had a thousand last drags of a cigarette type right. of thing, you know? Right. But I still think that reminding people that you can, they, they, it's an empowering idea, the thought that one can break the cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, it definitely was about addiction, but I also didn't think it was necessarily strictly about addiction, but also I worry about inheriting, not strictly just addiction things. So, well, um, I mean, look at, look at all the, every issue of ice cream, man, has hit each one of us a little bit differently. Yeah, that's true. And that's one of the amazing things about that book. Like the ones that I don't identify with, one other person in our group does. Yeah. It's a wonderful, wonderful comic. What do you think about DC characters versus Humpires? I hate vampires, guys. Do you hate vampires? I just... I love vampires. I love... They're one of my favorite things. A vampire is never a selling point for me. I don't ever really want it in my comics. Mm-hmm. In the same way that, like, I don't necessarily love, like, the Pantheon of Gods in my comic books because it starts getting hard for me to, like, where do these stack up? How are these comparing? Where does this exist? Like, okay, so we've got Thor and we've got Hercules. Like, okay, what is going on? And we've got Captain America. So what is this? Wait, Hercules or Heracles? Shit. Um, but, you know, I did. I really like Otto Schmidt. I like Matt Rosenberg. I don't love Jimmy TIV all the time. But that's the creative team on this book. It seems like it's more Rosenberg than it is Tinian. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like, like I said, the Schmidt art. Um, I think I don't think that everyone is as fond of Schmidt's art as I am. But I, I liked I liked this issue for that creative team. And I liked um, I, I don't know. Roman, what did you what did you think of this book? You know, I liked it and I really I didn't want to because of Tinian and and I'm not a big fan of Schmidt. I think. He's right. Okay. And I didn't want to. I just didn't want to read another DC versus whatever monster right. series. But this first issue was a lot of fun. As soon as uh, Andrew Bennett, I vampire showed up, I was like, oh man, it's Andrew Bennett. Okay. I'm in. Um, and I, I like that they said I vampire. Cause I was like, okay, 
I remember when the new 52 happened and I vampire was a series. So like, that's my base. So I know that it's a historical Uh. thing before that, but I actually don't know the actual historical context of that character. I really only know the new 52 bringing back of that reference, but I did get a tickle from like, okay, cool. This is referencing a thing that existed. Yeah. And I, I didn't read many issues of the new 52 um, version. It was gorgeous. Um, But when I was a kid reading house of mystery comics, like the one of the continuing series they had in there was Andrew Bent, I Vampire, Andrew Bennett. And it was the first uh, vampire character I'd ever read or, or seen in any media. That was a vampire, a traditional vampire, but he was trying to be a decent guy oh. and not give in to the vampirism. Mm-hmm. So the whole series was, was just about that struggle. And, and so when he shows up here trying to reach the Justice League and then talking to Green Lantern and, and zan of all yeah, people. yeah i was like oh this is great <laughs> so so spoilers everybody because we we're going to spoil this issue and there's a kind of a cool reveal about mm-hmm. halfway through so we have the eye vampire dude who's like i went to the bad guys and I, there's vampires are coming and shit i gotta go to the justice league so he goes to the justice league and he's talking to green lantern and it turns out halfway through the issue you realize that green lantern is a vampire and that kind of changed i guess i was sort of thinking this in the the deceased context of like Mm -hmm. all of our heroes versus the bad guys but this is more of like oh vampires have infiltrated everything so now we don't know even the good guys are vampires and then when hal jordan creates a green lantern blender and blends up (laughs) zan to then drink his blood that's when i was like okay the tone of this is very different than i thought like this is and i i don't know what i would prefer but I do like how unique this voice is. I liked it a lot too. I don't like vampires, but I thought this was really inventive. I was really pleased that Green Lantern's a vampire. Um, I always kind of like when Lex Luthor's final act before he dies is to save the world right. because he's an egomaniac, not for any other real reason. Um, and I'm excited to see how Zan comes back because he's clearly not dead because Zan can turn into water. Yeah. And but, Green but Lantern only- put him in a blender but only when he touches his sister first. And we don't know what happened to his sister. I, I think Zan's going to come back. Probably, probably. I like because that. he <laughs> even mentions that the, the blood is a little watery and then there's a close-up of him dumping him down this drain. Oh, yeah. His fingers, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Do, I do love this using the eye vampire stuff because part of his story was his ex, his wife, whatever, his lover, Mary, queen of blood, um, She's a vampire elder and she's a leader of the cult of the blood red moon, which is just a great name. Yeah. And they're the ones that have taken <laughs> over the earth. It's ah, oh, it's a great horror setup. It really is a great horror setup. I, I, I like the silly stuff in it. I wonder if I would like it more without it. Like, I, I don't know. I, I like the silly stuff, but I also, I, part of me wants them to go full on horror with it, but I guess that's why we have deceased. I would give this an eight. Yeah, it, it may. I mean, yeah, the silly stuff when I turned the page and there was the Legion of doom, I floating floating skull in the swamp. So I was like, oh, no way. Yeah, I love the <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, what did I give it? Consulting my list. Um, oh, yeah, I also gave it an eight. I also will give it an eight, even though... Uh, eight sets of fangs. Ooh. I don't really know why a vial of blood in the Riddler's eye would turn him into dust, but... Uh... Yeah, I don't know why either. <laughs> yeah, the mechanics of all that was a little confusing. Like, I was enjoying the characters more than I was like, okay, it didn't... It wasn't super internally consistent. Like, it didn't have... How... Did, did Was Riddler already a vampire? Yeah, yeah. Uh, How long would a vampire Superman be a threat? Because he could only operate at night, 
and he would lose his powers. Oh, that's a good thought. Well, yeah, and his powers are powered by the sun. So yeah, you're yeah. right. That's shouldn't a really he, shouldn't he just really explode as soon idea, as he's Django. vampirized? Yeah. <laughs> Because if he's going to survive, unless he has synthetic sunlight, the only way that he's going to be able to charge his powers. But he, if he was a vampire, he would entirely have to be not around sun. Hey, um, we got a message here from an Oliver Baker. Ooh, I was really excited to hear about a new ElfQuest comic, and it was supposed to be about eight issues, but then only got four issues when COVID hit and then decided to release the back half only in trade and not in single issues. I've heard that the other series have their other series have done this. And I was wondering, what are your thoughts? Mine is that I don't like it and how it affects ordering things at the shop. Hope you're good. Hope you have a good show. Lance Baker. Lance, thank you for sending the email. You sweet man. Yeah. Um, is that a, like that? My experience with that only really happened kind of in that COVID era of like, mm -hmm. but the sales mostly, mostly. Yeah, but I almost wonder, like, was it exclusively because of COVID? Because I feel like maybe even that Hawkeye thing was canceled before COVID. I don't think it was. Okay. I think it was delayed at COVID and canceled during COVID. Okay. Um, and I believe that that was the same timeline for ElfQuest. I think it's a thing that is super poor form for the comics. I think so. Um, and I understand the the desire to do it. But I think that if you do that trick too often, you'll lose the trust of the people who buy the issues and they'll end up not purchasing the single issues, which is what kind of floats the creators until they hit the trade paperbacks and, and start making the money that they should, that, that, that they actually deserve for having written and drawn these things. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it puts us as comic shops in a shitty spot because I feel like I, I consider part of our job is to make a commitment to the readers of art that we're going to get them the stories they want in the format that they choose. Mm -hmm. And there are trade people and there are issue people and the industry is set up for there to be able to be both. And when people spend money and commit to one and then they have to buy a trade and therefore double dip on their spending because like a trade is priced at like 20% less than the cover price of all the issues um, ish. You know, those people already paid for some of these issues and now they have to buy this paperback. And I feel like I should give them those issues because they already paid me yeah. for the issues, <laughs> but I have to pay the full price to get the book. So like it's 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 a shitty spot for a store to be in. And uh, it, yeah, I just I think everything Django said is right on the, right on the money. It's I think it's pretty poor form. And also it's hard to hard to be mad at big or small publishers for making shitty decisions for low selling books during the pandemic. Like, yeah, it's not cool. Don't do it again, but I'll, I'll let one or two of them slide. And it's one thing for it to have been the peenies with ElfQuest. It's a different thing for Marvel to have done it like Marvel. Yeah. You could yeah. afford to put your issues Suck it out. Up shit bags. And yeah. actually for most of those, they did. Yeah, they did. I think they canceled maybe four or five books, a couple issues from the end and only ended up not releasing maybe one or two of them. And I do remember at some point being worried they were just never going to put those final issues of the Hawkeye free fallout. So um, yeah. I'm glad that they had. So Lance, thank you so much for your email in. You're a sweetheart. Thanks for coming into our store. We adore you. Um, Roman Task Force Z, another Rosenberg joint, Eddie Barrows, who I remember from doing uh, Detective Comics with Jimmy TIV. Task Force Z, Task Force Zombie, the Fright Fest continues. <laughs> um, what did you think of this one? It's another one I didn't want to like, but 
It was good. It what was, was what was yeah, okay, sell me on it, you guys, because I read it and I was like, okay, I don't think I'll read more. But it was, I didn't think it was bad. I was just like, I don't think I'll read more. Well, just the I mean, I'm a sucker for good at horror story. And you know, man bat. I love man bat. Yeah. Um, I like Eddie Barrows. But opening up with another lame old bat villain, crazy quilt. Um, and just his characterization in here, and he's got his stupid little Picasso mustache and or Salvador Dali mustache, and it was just fun. And you know, it's weird. I never liked Jason Todd when he was Robin originally, but there's been a lot of good Jason Todd stories yeah, in the has. last few years, and I I like Jason Todd nowadays. Did you vote yeah. to kill him? I, you know, I wanted to, but um, being an honest kid, at least in that moment, I was like told my I asked my parents if I could call the number, and they're like, "No, you're not going to waste money calling this number." <laughs> <laughs> So no, I didn't. I didn't get to call. I don't think, but I, I wanted to kill him because yeah, I didn't like him. So and, this is clearly set in an Elseworlds situation, right? It has to be. Yeah, is it? I closed the book at one point and had to look. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a good. I mean, is Bane dead? Is I mean, Arkham Knight, I believe, died. I Bane did die in World War or in in on Z Day. A -Day. Oh right. Okay, so right. it could be oh. in main continuity. Yeah, I don't know if Man Bat's still around in Justice League Dark. I was very excited to see Mr. Bloom show up in this. Yeah. Because he's a Scott Snyder creation from the end of his New 52 run. And I, I did like him, you know, for the most part. And I just was like, oh, cool. They're, that's good work, Rosenberg, fishing up a character that is like recent history. You know, yeah. go ahead, Roman. Oh, um, so we assume in this, you know, whenever alternate reality or whatever, that uh, we don't know yet. We haven't seen her, seen her name seen her or heard her name but we assume amanda waller has dragged in jason todd and made him run this team of basically suicide squad except they're recently killed villains who they're who they bring back with i love this uh lazarus resin made yeah. from lazarus pits and so it allows it brings them back to life and um, gives her some we assume her some mind control over them i think i've said this before and if i have i'm sorry I really don't like Jason Todd carrying around crowbars. <laughs> See, I, I think thought, that's one of the most fucked up things in the world. It is. It's fucked up, but I really liked it because of that. I was like, oh, that's that's so dark and twisted. And messed it's like up. feeding a deer deer meat. <laughs> I'll yeah. take it because yeah. it's kind of like Nightwing uses just the two like sticks. And so this yeah. is like him using sticks, but they're crowbars. Um, and uh, clearly they work well. Yeah, it's so yeah. dark. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I liked it. I don't. I mean, it didn't necessarily call me to read more of it, but I don't think it was poorly done at all. It's a really good candy bar, and the the way that the freeze Mister Freeze fight scene goes down, I thought was really good. And and like they absolutely didn't just gracefully beat him. He he fucked them up bad. And even when he loses, they're super fucked up and in trouble still. And well, yeah, really and it seems like that. There's just this idea, almost like the X-Men at this point, which is like, yeah, we can just keep dying and coming back. So it's cool. Like a lot of mm -hmm. them die in this issue and they're just going to come yeah, back. So, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that fight scene, I really like what Barrows did there. It was a very yeah. kinetic kind of paneling. There's one page that it that most of the panels are uh, Mr. Freeze's body. I didn't realize that until <laughs> I'm, I'm on that page right now. And it is brilliant. And before that, like earlier in the issue, there's one where he does... Uh, vertical panel stacking on the right side, but he embeds mm -hmm. arrows into the panels to show you to read counter to the, the normal way. So like Barrows wow. does really impressive stuff. And yeah, like that one that Roman just pointed out of the panels are Mr. Freeze's body is, is very, very cool. I give it a yeah. seven. I, I'd give it a seven and a half. 
it was a fun candy bar to read with my yeah. eyes. Yeah, I mean, and the last play page is a classic cliffhanger type horror situation. Um, yeah, Jason's fucked. Yeah, yeah, apparently. <laughs> um, but they can bring him back with the resin. Um, I'll give it an eight. Actual nice. decapitations in a DC book too. Yeah, thumbs up. Um, you boys are gonna talk a little bit about Human Remains number two. Roman, let's keep it cool though. We don't want to get too excited about this book. Okay. Um, because we, uh, if our emotions get too heightened, the monsters will come and get us. That's true. And I, I really like don't, do in this book. we don't want that to happen. That, that those screeching, horrible, otherworldly sounds will blow out the audio. Yeah. I'm not going to start. I want oh. you to talk about this. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, well, as I remember, we both really liked the first issue, Human Remains by Peter Milligan and Sally Contarino. Yeah. Is that a G or C? Contarino? Oh, I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, it's about in a world where there's some kind of maybe Lovecraftian horrors from another dimension that pop up in our dimension out of you know out of thin air and kill anyone who's have you know having emotion emotional you know not even outburst yeah laughing in the backyard and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. one of these things will show up and eviscerate you and sometimes they explode people it looks like yeah so yeah so the whole world is dealing of course coming out when it does you know there's definite parallels with uh with covid because people Mm -hmm. are like except in this are like no stay indoors that's probably safe or at least safer. Um, and but don't show it. Yeah. Don't show any emotions. There's this whole great conflict with two of the main characters at the beginning of this issue. They get married. These things attack the wedding. They escape. Um, but then the rest of the issue, like the guy is so freaked out by all this that he's absorbing too much media and whatever doing his research. He's so freaked out. Like he won't make love to his wife because he, he's afraid that that'll attract the creatures and and it's putting stress on her because she's like well he's kind of right but at the same time fuck this sucks and yeah you know he's sleeping on the couch end of the issue you know he takes off to try and protect her by not being around her and not being tempted yeah the 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 character work and the relationships in this i think are really really good yeah and the art is sort of all over the place for me like there's there's (laughs) not a moment where i didn't know what was going on um but the faces and stuff can get a little almost impressionistic and grotesque when I don't think they're meant to be. Um, yeah. But story-wise, I think this is wonderful. It, it's like, uh, oh, the quiet place, but with emotions. And I, I am surprised that I'm two issues into a, uh, a vault horror book with art that I don't love and really digging this book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First, the first issue, I think I said it on that podcast, the art, I wasn't going to read it. And then I saw Peter Milligan's name and that got me to read it. You're a Milligan man. I am. I mean, I'll, I'll at least try anything he writes. Um, well, what do you give this one? I gave it, actually, I gave it a nine. I liked it even a little bit more than the first issue. And just there's a little more character development. There's this, this terrible, this preacher. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And the monsters is a really cool design. Yeah. The monsters are horrific. <laughs> um I think I would give it an eight real solid, real good, real good spooky book. Yeah. Spooky yeah. book. Human remains. What, what'd you think, Jeff? What do you give it? I gave it a nine and a half. Um, wow. You're a big horror. Milligan, I'm a big vault horror fan. I love Milligan every time since his time on the ecstatics and, uh, you know, behind resonant. It's probably my favorite horror vault book. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at. Right on, man. Sounds like I knew what I was talking about, but I didn't read it. Hey, did you read Inferno? <laughs> Oh, Inferno number two. I was trying to decide if I should buckshot this or not. Um, should this be my buckshot? We should just make this my buckshot, Django. Oh, all right. You want to buckshot right. me? 
You want to load up your guns while I uh, transition us to the buckshot scene here where we're going to be talking about comic books one or two or 15, as many as you would like. Um, we have 90 seconds to do so. We have a lot of fun doing it. And uh, Jeff, go. Uh, Inferno number two by Jonathan Hickman. And the artist is one of those two guys from House and Powers. This is great. Um, oof. Maybe not as great as the first issue only because the first one was like here's imaginative ideas build your own and this was like oh my god it's like the best parts of game of thrones it's like <laughs> political machinations and manipulating people to win votes to have a political like it was so good i love the characters i love the art um it's you know my favorite thing coming out like this is the book i'm most excited about coming out right now and i love it but i also can't help but feel a little bit like maybe I'm just uh, apologizing for it, but like part of me feels like we're getting the 90% version of what it could be. Um, you know, kinda, I feel like this was kind of a drafted thing in his head and it doesn't get to be quite fully what it was originally drafted at because of what's going on with him leaving and them like the other creators wanting to stay in this other era of the X-Men. But it is very, very good. Uh, it's just God, it's so good. Love it. I read Harley Quinn number eight because Sean loves this book and I haven't been reading it. It's a Fear State tie-in and it's pretty charming. It, it is very good. I haven't read a Harley Quinn proper book in a long time. Um, it's got Rossmo art and it's a little bit too cartoonish for me to like the art a lot, but I do like how unique it is. I give Inferno number two a 10 and I give oh. Harley Quinn number eight a 7.5. Okay. Who's yeah. writing Harley? Um, it's, 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 she's been doing it the whole run as far as I know, but it's not a name that I knew. It's Stephanie Phillips and the art is Riley Rossmo. Riley Rossmo's art I love, but it's just getting more and more like weird. There's just body shapes that don't look like body shapes at all. Like chins yeah. and necks that just don't look like, I love how unique the art is, but at the same time, I'm just like, I, I don't really like it at this point. I also read House of Slaughter. I didn't love it. Did you Actually, read I didn't even of, like it. Yeah. All of something's killing the children. No, I read one Maybe issue Maybe you just need that. that little bit of context. House of Slaughter was like, like 60 issues. It was like that shitty thing. It's like, we're tied into a book. So Erica Slaughter is a character in that other book. So we're going to make sure and say the name Erica like 30 times in this yeah. issue so that you were all like, oh, right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm it's like every time we say Erica, you get a treat. And then you're going to think we're a good book just because we're referencing that other thing that you like. That's what stood out to me, too. Also, yeah. the, the F-bomb with the childish art. That bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, Roman, what's your favorite color? Go. What's your favorite color? Green. Green. You got 90 seconds. Go. 90 seconds. Um, that Texas Blood, number 11. Uh, but this is another series like Ice Cream Man that every issue is great. But uh, this particular one, sticking to the horror theme, um, the main character, the sheriff, it's flashing back to 1982 or something like that. Uh, and in a case where him and this basically Kolchak Night Stalker type investigator show up and they're investigating some killings locally. This little girl was kidnapped and found dead. Um, and the horror in this issue is they infiltrate where this cult is. Turns out it's basically the Ku Klux Klan, except they're kidnapped the girl to sacrifice her to conjure up this bat demon, which seems very similar to Barbatos, but it's yeah. actually Kamazots. Um, and they're trying to conjure that up the sheriff tries to break it up and the guy, they screw it up. Um, bad things happen and it's got a great cliffhanger and it's just, it's just cool. Um, once in future, 
fantasy, but I'm going to say a little bit of horror because this issue, they're trying to avoid getting killed by there's some Gorgons, the, you know, Medusa and that gring. But there's a male one because there was actually historically a male Gorgon statue found once. They're just never mentioned in the myths. And it ends with the giant from uh, the fifi fo Fum giant shows up, except Ooh. it's more like one of the clash of or the Titans in that manga. I forgot the name of Attack on Titan Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I give Once in Future, if I can find, I gave it a nine, actually good suspenseful issue. Texas Blood, I also probably gave a nine. Yep, I did. God, you're so brave. <laughs> you're so brave. I'm not Great brave. Here's all my that, lights on. That, uh, that Texas Blood is a book that I I regret not being in on from the get go because some of my favorite people think it's one of the best books coming out right now. So it's easy to get caught up. There's one volume and then a, like three or four issues. Mm-hmm. I'm just afraid of blood. It's just Texas Blood though. Yeah, it's oh, like oh, if it's just that Texas Blood. Jingle go. Oh God, I love that Texas Blood number eleven. It follows Camazots and the cops <laughs> and. Uh, Zots and the cops. It's actually really good. Uh, Marjorie Finnegan, Temporal Criminal, number six of eight. Garth Ennis, Goran Suzuka. This is Garth Ennis, just at his Garth Ennisist. And uh, if you miss Preacher, if you miss Hitman, if you just want some foul, hilarious, <laughs> not quite sure if you should um, laugh at this joke kind of stuff, that's the comic for you um also in the horror vein i read vinyl number five um Hmm. by wagner and hilliard daniel and doug in reverse order there um (laughs) still great although i don't really know what's going on at any given moment um a lot of characters a lot of violence a lot of murder a lot of blood um faces torn off and stitched front to back good gross creepy serial killer stuff um Let's see. I thought that I read the comic that I'm flipping through right now, but it turns out I haven't read it yet. So that's on me. Moon Knight number four, <laughs> I did read. Um, Moon Knight is an interesting character. Sometimes I think it, the stories are really interesting and sometimes they're not. I'm still undecided on this one, but we're four issues into a Marvel book and I'm still reading it. So it's got something special going for it. Uh, McKay, Capuccio, and Rosenberg. It's got, it's got vampires. That's what's got you. Yeah. Or at least one vampire. <laughs> it is weird. There's like... Moon Knight always excites me and then never pulls me all the way through. Like I haven't yeah. read a Moon Knight run where it's like the whole like the, the promise of several of them is very good. The Jason Burroughs first several issues in that one were were good. Um the whole Warren Ellis one cuz it was only like 6 or 12 issues was good, yeah. but and the Lemire one was pretty good. I think the Lemire one was the the longest one that I enjoyed, but and that was like twelve 24. issues or something. Yeah, maybe twelve. Yeah. It was pretty short, but yeah, I, yeah, Moon Knight's an interesting one. It's it's like uh, unfortunately, Moon Knight is what Hawkman wishes he was, mm. which is a character nobody really can figure out what to do with. But this one works sometimes. Every time that they start a new Moon Knight, everyone reads it. Every time they start a new Hawkman, no one cares. <laughs> yeah. Roman reads it. Yeah, uh, I, I read give, it. I read it and wish it was better. <laughs> I give Marjorie Finnegan Temporal Criminal number six of eight. Oh, gosh, like a nine. <laughs> if you're in my brain, that's a nine. If you're most people, it's probably a six. Um, I'd give vinyl uh, an eight. Uh, and I, I'd be curious to reread it and see if I can really understand what's going on. And Moon Knight, I'm going to give a seven and uh, zero, seven, just a seven. And Black Hammer Reborn, I'll read sometime really soon because mm. I somehow forgot to read that one. 
I like that that series. Well, that brings us to the end of our incredibly frightening podcast here. Uh, it was terrifying to be a part of this, and I'm spooked out beyond belief. My blood has curdled and chilled within my veins, and now I'm just pumping this weird red, milky substance through my body. Ew. It's what happens when we Same. are on Hollum's Weave. <laughs> All Hollum's Weave. <laughs> hey, you can send us an email like Will always does, or like Lance did this week, at jeff at thecomicsplace.com. That gets to us. We use it. We love it. And I love all of you for doing it. If you, it's secret, secret. If you care about my opinion, which you shouldn't, because I'm just a guy in a red hat, I like all the people that send us emails just a little bit more than everyone else. So um, send us those emails if you care about this red-hatted opinion. Django, <laughs> what else we got before we head out into the all Hollum's Weave Moon Night? Well, um, you know, Say hi to your friends. Jeff, you say hi to your mom. Tell her not to listen to this episode. Oh, you can tell her right now. Oh, hi, <laughs> Jeff's mom. I'm sorry you listened to this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Actually, that, that but, extends but thank to you. everyone that listens to this. <laughs> but thank you, Kip, because that's uh, my mom. I can't get my mom to listen to this. I think the Ted Lasso <laughs> podcast did it. Like that now that it's every other time in her feed, she starts listening mm. to it, which I did record a song for the Ted Lasso oh, intro and excellent. outro music. Yep. Oh, excellent. That. Are you going to record a spooky song for this episode of this podcast? I probably got some of those saved somewhere. I don't even know how to write a spooky song, actually. <laughs> um, you just put it in a minor key and hope people get scared instead of sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just throw in some, some, I don't know, some spooky lines. Ooh, pumpkin. <laughs> What about my Transylvanian <laughs> twist? Look at my face and my fangs, and I'm coming for your blood right now on top of this minor chord. Oh, <laughs> podcast. Podcast. Well, on that note, it is podcast 246, and I'm going back to Russia. And I will see you all <laughs> in Russia. I'm always as Jeffrey. And as usual, I am Roman. Stop of Danya, Tavares. Oh, I'm, I'm Django. I was... I was hey, thinking, Django, you all right, bud? Guys. You look yeah. like you're working on something over there. Well, I just, is that a dookie? I was just thinking. And this isn't the Superman thing, which I was thinking earlier. Would you guys ever play like a like a game show with me and and each other? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking like uh, never have I ever read. Yeah, let's do it next week. Kind of game, and I we can. I don't know what that means. Do the rules, and I, I would love it. Actually, I would love right. to be on a game show with you. All right. Any like game it, show, sure. you and episode I. Episode two fifty. Dude, can you imagine any game show where it's like, oh, on the first podium we have Dylan. On the second podium we have Jeff and Django. On the third podium <laughs> we're like, oh man, those two fucking guys. First of all, why did two of them get to be on one podium? And second, like, what is their deal? <laughs> like, they're yeah. those, those two are weirdos. They would keep us really on just each other, just for the entertainment bit. Like, we so. wouldn't have to win. We would we would stay on the next episode. You're right. Hey, listen. Uh, We'll hear everyone's answers to that question next week on 247. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Have a good Hollum's Weave. We love you. <laughs>